Hey, what's going on, Clipper people? It is me, William the Opinion Updike. And I am Positive Chuck Mockler. And we're your friendly neighborhood Clippers podcast. Yes. Just a couple of best friends, Clipper credential media folks, bringing you locked on Clippers. But when? Five days a week, all the weekdays, Monday through Friday. You can catch us seven in the morning, make us your first listen, kill some windshield time. And let's get into how we can maybe right the ship versus these Pacers. That's right. Kicking things off today, we are going to be digging into that matchup. Talking about what the Clippers are going to need to do well to come away with a win, as well as what could go wrong against this Pacers team that is, much like the Clippers, down some notable contributing (laughs) members. Uh, So we're going to talk about all of that. And then, in segment two, it's the Freshies. Look, every single Monday, Chuck and I like to take a little bit of time to talk about guys new to the squad. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a status update on Brandon Boston Jr., sort of his development, how he's been going. Oh, yeah. As well as, we got to talk about Xavier Moon, one of the best stories for the Clippers. Yes. uh, You know, just from a narrative standpoint this year. And also, Hartenstein has made his return. Hell yeah. missing. And that kind of leads into sort of, you know, what's going on with this Clippers offense right now? Oh, man. And this is something that doesn't just concern guys that are fresh to the squad, but it is an issue that's gotten a large enough sample size now Mm -hmm. that I think that we it it merits a bit of a discussion. We need to talk about it pretty much every single day. (laughs) Yeah, so so we're going to be talking about that. And then in segment three, look, every single Monday we also bring you the Luke Kennard Progress Report, which – with heavy hearts, we must report. Not a lot to say this week, <sighs> yes. uh, but we are going to talk about his status and sort of how that's going with the Hask. Uh, and then we also bring you Terrence Mann's Warp Watch. Mm-hmm. Look, every single week we just like to take uh, sort of a, a glance at Terrence and see how he yeah. compares to a league average replacement player, so you don't want to miss that. So all that and more coming up right about now. Yes, yeah, so the Clippers take on the Pacers at 1230 love on monday which is trash great time Ugh, not a good thing for a struggling team the clippers of course dropped the game on uh saturday yeah which was brutal frustrating game in that one a lot of trends from that game we've seen before we're hopefully not going to see certain ones against the pacers but right now just a heads up the pacers injury report for their game versus phoenix on the 14th was significant yeah um jeremy lamb was out malcolm brogdon was out tj mcconnell out and tj warren so there's a chance that they're going to be TJ down. Warren at, ever healthy? <laughs> there's a chance they're going to be down. Like, I mean, at least kind of two very key contributors. Yeah, um, they still got Sabonis, but what? Seriously, has TJ Warren played an <laughs> NBA game in like what? Like since the bubble, has he played an NBA game? I don't think he's played three in a row. Um, what do we need to do well in this one to get past the Pacers? It would be nice to be able to knock down some threes. Uh, yes, I, it I, would. I think looking at the shot profiles of these teams, the Pacers are one of the least efficient teams from three. Yes. Uh, and they do take about they like almost exact league average amount of attempts, um, but they're currently only connecting on 32.3% of those three-point attempts, which okay. is bottom three in the NBA. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that, we know that we're going to give up a lot of points in the paint, so That's maybe what we have to live with if now. you can offset that by you know actually being able to create a little bit of space, and yeah, some threes, you know, it it takes some of the pressure off of that paint defense a sure. little bit, you know, because you're not going to stop everything there. And hell, I mean, we've <laughs> not been stopping much of anything there. Um, so yeah, I, I think being able to to move the ball and uh, see some looks go from deep could just go such a long way in a win in this one. Yes. It's also weird too, because the Pacers opponents average 33 point attempts a game, which is actually the fewest in the league. 
Oh, wow. So, like, so we, we will have our work cut out for us. We have to be efficient. Yeah. Either one or Mook of Reggie needs to get hot from three. They were, again. Well, I believe in one of those two guys. Sure. They were, again, super rough uh, on the game on Saturday combined versus the Spurs. Yes. It was very bad. That was a rough game, full of scoring droughts. Um, one thing that can help us in this game against the Pacers, cash in all these free throw attempts. Like, the Pacers let their opponent shoot the fifth most free throw attempts per game in the league. And we've had success against some teams that yes. are, are foul happy. Um, you know, it's a little bit harder without having a superstar. Sure. But it is still Paul George something. doesn't get calls anyway, so. <laughs> um, but so in a matchup like this where, like, we talked about it, I think, on the last episode, a lot of games right now in the NBA are basically, like, who's top heaviest with stars. Definitely. When you have injuries like this and health and Sabonis, and protocols, honestly, just might be that guy. He's, he's the best player in this matchup. like 18 and 12, something like that. Yes, Rick Carlisle doesn't really know how to use him, which doesn't make any sense. But besides the point, um, the Clippers need to catch in on free throw attempts in this game. This is how you win this game if you're the Clippers. Um, I'm hoping we can see Terrence kind of be constructively aggressive yeah. and able to get to the line. Because when That'd Terrence be nice. is getting to the line, things are going pretty well usually. Mook. Yes, as well. So they're just going to be there. Let's cash in on them. 100%. Uh, look, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but, like, who can guard the paint in this one? So yeah. looking at these two teams, I've mentioned it numerous times on this podcast, but the Clippers are currently giving up around 49 <laughs> points per game. This is your biggest bugaboo of the year. So to far. their opponents. Yeah. That's just so much. It's so many points. Uh, the Pacers, though, however, are giving up around 48 points per game hey, in the paint. Right there. To their opponent. So it just kind of seems like, especially given some of the Pacers' efficiency struggles from three, which we do know can turn around for teams in the playoffs, but or against the Clippers. Sure. Uh, but assuming that that kind of holds true, it, it kind of seems to me that whoever could get stops down low could, you know, carve out a nice advantage over the other team. Even just three in a row. Absolutely. Like, I would love to it see could the, just be that. I would love to see the Clippers string together three defensive stops in a row. Hopefully early in this game. Um, we also got to move the ball from side to side. Ooh, is that the Maggetti gospel? <laughs> Spicy Spaghetti, Corey Maggetti, talks about this all the time. Batum brought it up in the postgame um, on Saturday. Like, we just need ball movement on the court. Amir has been great for this. But sometimes it's just kind of devolving into, like, watch someone else work vibe. Yeah. And so I just, like, this is a bottom 10 team in defensive rating. Like, the Clippers' defense is good. Um, the Pacers is not. Space should be there to kind of get some paint touches, get a couple, get, maybe just get one foot in the paint, and then spray the ball out. I hope we get to see active blood in this game. Think he gets the start? Dude, I have no idea. Like, he probably should. We've been asking this basically in every game preview, I feel like, for the last week. But Yes, he probably should, but I don't know. We were talking with Carl Tart. He doesn't like blood, so it doesn't make any sense. Um, what could go wrong in this game? Second chance points. Yes. Um, Common theme. It's we've yeah, we've struggled against teams that are really good at offensive rebounding. This Pacers team is a pretty solid rebounding team overall. Um and yeah, we've just really struggled against teams, especially who are strong on the offensive glass. They're a top five offensive rebounding team Damn. in terms of percentage. They're snagging around thirty percent of a fail of available offensive rebounds. That is really good, which is high. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, incredible. Just for high. reference, the Clippers snag sub twenty five percent of available offensive rebounds. Which Hell is yeah, bottom five in the NBA. Sure, uh, and Sabonis is grabbing twelve a game. So yeah. like our wings, our wings got to be on point. If Mook can't bring it offensively, I'm hoping defensively he's active. I think offensively, I, I'm I am having trouble seeing who's going to stop him. But I've said that before and. 
he stopped himself. Yeah. So, <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> the Pacers are also top 10 in opponent offensive rebound percentage. So they're giving up just 26% of available offensive rebounds okay. to their opponents, which is, you know, solid. Um, and the Pacers are a top 10 defensive rebounding percentage team. So Whew. it does beg the question, like you, you brought up Sabonis, does – if Miles Turner is unable to go in this one, do the Clippers have on paper – a rebounding advantage having three available centers on paper, yes. In actuality, in actuality, it's going to depend a TBD. lot. On, it's going to depend a lot on the wings. Yes, it's TBD. Um, it's one of those things where this is. I feel like the Clippers, the current roster, there's like one in every game, where it's almost like a high speed. Where it's like this is our in. Like this is how we get this done. Miles Turner being out, this is the Clippers in for this game. Like. I know there's got to have a stronger things. showing on the glass. Yes. Yeah. Like when the opportunities are there, we've talked about it with this Clippers team. When things start to go wrong, all the wheels kind of fall off. But the flip side is also true. If we establish presence on the boards, it's going to help the confidence. Like it, it helps spurns everything. It gets a mirror into transition. Hopefully like I'm also curious. Oh, we got to talk about like Bledsoe's minutes load. Yeah. That's gotta be something. Hopefully it's like normal again. Um, I think this is the end, though. This game is the end. This is the end. Well, I think the rebound, the Miles Turner, oh. that's the end for the Clippers in this game. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I, I concur with that. Um, a horrific scoring drought, or three. That could definitely go wrong. Would be bad. Yeah. Um, so, against San Antonio on Saturday, this is from La Murray, uh, the Clippers scored 94 points on 100 field goals, which is... Those are Reggie numbers. This is the... Damn. This is the first time since 2006 that the Clippers failed to break 100 points while attempting at least 100 shots. That's really hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to score fewer points than the shots you put up. Like, that's just, that's like a phenomenon in yeah. the 2022 NBA landscape. So we just hope that that's not there. Um, I don't know, man. How you feeling about this one? I like this feels to me like a winnable game. Um, Absolutely. You know, if, if you're looking at like maybe the player, the single player that's most dangerous on either team, maybe you would give an advantage to the Pacers. But sure. this is one of those games I think we should put away. It's one of those games that we're able to put away. That's the other thing. It's like this is a winnable game for the Clippers. Yeah, this is one I'm going to start to feel not panicked, but a little bit worried about if we were. If we, sure. If we lose. Let's go Clips. Let's go Clips at this 12.30 tip time. Let's do it. It's a good time. Coming up, we're going to be talking the Freshies, Brandon Boston Jr., Hart and Steins Hearn, Xavier Moon, plus others. But first, got to give a shout out to Shopify, which gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed, reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, your favorite TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's a good time. Go to Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's all lowercase. For a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features, grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA right now. Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so we're talking the freshies. Every single Monday, Charles and I just kind of like to talk about guys who are fresh to the squad, which we will do today. 
And we're also going to be talking a little bit about the Clippers' offensive woes. Yes. Chuck, what's fresh? What do we want to talk about first? Brandon Boston Jr., how's it going? Yeah. You know? um, Interesting rookie year for anyone to have, especially when you're on a team that was a contender before this whole season started. Um, Got a little before things got a little crazy with health and safety and injuries like that. Um, Had a big game against Boston, of course. Is in a much larger featured role than... I think anybody could have imagined, even probably him. Yeah, uh, definitely. After, you know, a strong showing in the preseason. Yes. So, you know, how's it going, basically, is where we're at on this one. Um, I I was looking at a thread of L.A. Clippers film. They were talking about Brandon Boston Jr. Um, And they talked about something which I think a lot of fans have noticed, which is he's a little too comfortable taking long twos. Absolutely. He... Like, I know we know he can make him. He's a three level scorer. Like yeah. the, the ability is not there. He's still just a rookie. So some of these misses, you're just like, these are bad shots. These are not shots you're gonna take. But that's, I mean, that's there, the point, right? Therein is the paradox of playing a young player a lot of minutes, especially right? this kind of young player who really is only focused on scoring. And yes. I don't mean that in a bad way. Oh no, absolutely. I mean that's you know like how he's been able to like make a name for himself. It's what this coaching staff expects from him. You know, like when we see things go cold, we'll see Boston out there in extended s- stretches. And, you know, right or wrong, it does give him an opportunity to try and get into the flow of an NBA game. Yes. But, the you know, the, the flip side of that is, of course, you're going to see some low efficiency shots. More often than not. Of course, you're going to see some, you know, low IQ decision making. Not, And that's not like an indictment on him as a player. It's like that's. That's what being a rookie in the NBA is. Yes. And a rookie who's like, he's a young rookie. He's just turned 20. Yeah. So we're not even talking a guy. You know what I mean? Um, it just, I think this is maybe a, just a weight issue. Like literally just W-E-I-G-H-T. Like gain some more weight. Feel more comfortable attacking the basket. Yeah. He can finish sure. extraordinarily well. Well, and he's, like, I mean, like, he's a bigger kid too. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see even just like with one off season after a season of NBA play, like what he's going to come back and real minutes. Yeah. That's the nice thing is like, he's getting, you know, he's going to go into the off season with a plan for how to gain weight after playing real NBA minutes. So it's not this thing where it's like, he might come in next season really big, but it's like, Oh, well the minutes load you're going to be playing. You can't really, you're going to have to work some of that off. Now he's like, I, I, he has more minutes this season than he might get in the next like two or three. Oh, for everyone's health. And and I think that that's going to be interesting too, because well, he'll he'll have had the opportunity to work out some of these mistakes and bad tendencies. Yes. And then, I mean, he'll be able to talk to the coaching staff and, like, find out ways that he can be more effective in a much more limited sort of minutes role. Yes, 100%. Um, last six games, it's been a little rough for him. Um, his shooting percentages, 33%, um, 38%, 0%, 75% versus Denver, which was very much needed. Very needed. And then 37% and then 22% versus uh, uh, the Spurs. He's had kind of a nice rebounding stretch, which I like. He's grabbed five boards in three of the last six games, which is like when you're that skinny – but you're on the wing for the Clippers, like you got to be able to grab some boards. So I think maybe in a year, in a year, maybe two seasons, he could be like a five rebound guy. Oh, I think for sure, which yeah. I think is very doable. Um, that, that five rebounds per game is definitely doable for Boston. What else do we got in uh, in shavings? Uh, you mean freshies? Excuse me, freshies. Should we talk heartwarming Clipper story of the year, Xavier Moon? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good time. I mean, next to Amir Coffee. 
I, I would say like one of the most surprising developments uh, for the Clippers this season, regardless of, you know, whether he finds a place on this team. I think that, I mean, he's probably shown enough to find a spot somewhere, right? A hundred percent. Ty Lue kind of talked about this. Like <clears throat> I, I love the story, you know, like he's basically kind of like Luke Kennard insurance right now because yeah, like, we course. need another point guard. Um, Ty Lue's used him kind of for organizational purposes. I hope he keeps it going. You know, he's not the, he's obviously not the same player as Luke Kennard. He's not an outside shooter at all. Um, but he's, he's getting points where available and yeah, it's a good time. Um, do we think that Chris Dunn is like a threat to his time at all? He hasn't played for ACC at all. It just feels like a very kind of like break glass in case of emergency type move. Uh, I think it's possible, uh, especially just given like some of the weird things with Bledsoe's minutes. I, I just don't know really what's fully going on there. And I don't know if there's a conversation internally because we certainly haven't been made privy to it, but I feel like there might be something physical going on with Reggie. Okay, I think that is fair. Like, that's not insane, right? No, not at all. He's been breathing hard. Like, there there has to be some kind of effects happening. Uh, not a knock on Reggie. I'm just saying, like, I think... Not that, at like, all, but I think it's... it's it just seems like the f- the f- like the physicality or, like, you know, going into Hasper or, or whatever has been affecting him. And I know that cumulative not- knocks are a thing that we talk about on this show. And he's taking a lot and, of them. And he's taking a, he's taking a lot. So I, I do... It is interesting to me that... Um, we are kind of stocking up at the guard position, and I don't know if that's a reflection of any sort of concern internally about you know the future of the backcourt and kind of where everybody <laughs> stands throughout the rigors of the season, uh, but it'll certainly be something to monitor moving forward. Look, mm-hmm. uh, you put a note in here about Hardenstein. Let's let's talk about him and then lead into talking about <laughs> this offensive uh, this offense's kind of struggles as a whole, which I do think have worsened. Uh, with Hartenstein out of the lineup. Absolutely. So Hart made his return in the lineup on Saturday. Didn't play a bunch of minutes. Played five minutes versus the Spurs. TG, you know. <laughs> Hit all three of his shots. Hadn't played since December 18th. Long-ass time. Um, should our offense just be him shooting floaters? You know, from an efficiency standpoint. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> uh, I don't really know why you would do anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, but so this begs my question. If we can only keep one of Amir or Hart, Next oh, season. Man, come on, man. <laughs> Who are you keeping? I'm going. Come a, on, I'll man. I'll tell you what. I'm going Amir. We need wing depth. It's very evident that we need wing depth. And Amir's also going to be on kind of another prove-it deal again next year because we don't know how long it's going to be. Like, I want Amir over Hart. I think I'm with you there. I think that wing depth, especially for a team that's, like, kind of put together the way this one is and that, you know, we can assume when fully healthy – uh, is going to go back to some exploring smaller lineups, especially in the sure. playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, it, it remains to be seen. Um, well, in actuality, it remains to be seen what either of these players' contributions could be in the right. playoffs. I feel like I can see Amir's a little bit more clearly than, than Hartenstein. Hart, Hartenstein's just because of – you know, just the way that individual players are, are going to get gamed out. Yes, uh, I think that's fair. By offenses in the playoffs. I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, all right, we want to we – this is kind of a big talk about the offense, right? What's that? We're doing a big talk about the offense right now? Could be. 
All right, could be, I think we need some more time. We're going to leave this one on the next segment. Because All right. This is very much legit. We got to dive into this because it's just truly gotten worse since last time we talked about it. Uh, but first, Will, talk to me about Built Bars. What's up with these? Look, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Mm-hmm. You know we talk about it all the time, but did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is truly something for everyone. Look, when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out. They got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. Wow. Ooh, yummy. You want to know what my favorite bar is? Huh. All of them. Nice. Love all of them. And you know what? If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can actually get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out these macros. Each bar has 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors. All tasty. All Healthy. Hell yeah. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Oh, cool. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Uh, right now, we have a very special offer for our listeners. If you go to built.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com. Now that we got our bodies full of Built Bar, how can I get my pockets full? Of money that, from betting online. <laughs> you can go to betonline.ag. Some of us may or may not have a 16 parlay that's looking pretty good looking over pretty the week. Looking pretty sweet from where I'm Looking pretty sweet. I'll tell you where I put that bet in. Betonline.ag. They got all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs. Talking NBA, NHL, NFL, RUFC, MMA action, baseball, if it ever comes back again. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams limp their way into the All-Star break. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDON. That's all cap letters, one word. Get like us. Get a 16 parlay. Get it all right and be rolling in the money at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, now, Will, let's get into this offensive, offensive discussion. <laughs> all right, so, look, I, you know, the offense has been really, really struggling. Um, Horrific. You know, I think you see the twenty-five point comeback seems even more absurd. Yeah, <laughs> every uh, day we get further away from one hundred percent. And and like the defense has definitely been a surprise on yes. the on the season so far. But like equally surprising to me, and and maybe it shouldn't be a surprise given that we were going to be down Kawhi. But like I did not expect the offense to take this much of a step back. I did not like even when Paul George was playing at times. I it, this team was struggling a lot more. To get easy buckets in a yes. way that I, I didn't really foresee happening. Absolutely. So I don't I mean I don't want to point fingers here. So this is like this isn't like necessarily anything. <laughs> Will is wearing two giant foam fingers. Right? <laughs> I am. I am. Uh, I'm barely holding the mic. Uh, but you know it does beg the question. Like we have a reasonable sample size now for a, a, a fair amount of these guys. Uh, around half a season. Yeah. Uh, I, who do we think? has been the biggest issue in this offense and i have got a i've got a couple of guys whose names I, I've, i'm i'm kind of bringing up because they kind of come up in conversation so we'll talk about those but i mean like one guy look i mean he's been tasked with you know handling the keys to this offense yes uh he's kept his starting role over another point guard who hasn't and that's <laughs> you know reggie jackson and through 40 games i would say that the returns have been 
lower than what I had expected. Diminished. <laughs> uh, he's averaging 16, 3, and 4. Numbers, you know, fine. That's sure. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, efficiency, not great. He's shooting 38% from the floor overall, just 33% from three. Ugh. He's got offensive rating currently of 95 and a defensive rating of 111. Chuck, <sighs> what is going on with Reggie? So... We can love Reggie and move together with this. Well, well yeah, I we'll think. talk about move next. Reggie, it's just like he's never supposed to be the focal point of an offense. He's never supposed to be the guy. I, I, and I who's think supposed that's to be fair. the points, yeah. which is like brutal. And and that's know, part of, part of like why this can't be a full indictment on him. Because absolutely, like as a player, look, like he's sometimes like, he's not designed to be your number one offensive player. No. And that's, that's like not a knock on him. He's such a great complimentary offensive piece around a team that features Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Morris and sometimes Nick Batum and yeah. those lines. And Luke Kennard is more like you know. It's just this thing of like, it's just been bad, man. And like. Post hasp, it was it's been really bad. But pre health and safety, it was really bad. Like, I know, but he was like just getting knocks on knocks. Like, I, I mean, ha- I I was counting for a while just how many times he would end up on his butt three or four times a game. game. Yeah, like, and it's like it's it's just tough because when you get a player like Reggie who when he gets hot, get the hell out of the way. Everyone clear out, let him do his thing. But when I'm, he's not, of when of course he's I'm not bad, forgetting that Denver game. When he's making bad decisions and stuff like that, it's just killing the Clippers' offense. And I mean. You, you you get into that thing where it's like he holds the ball, he tries to do a little too much, which when he dude when he and Mook are the one and two options, your team is gonna be a thirty five percent win percentage team. Like if those are the two guys, uh, well, and then I mean I think the thing that's even worse is like when we see him in games where he's like hesitant to shoot or like he's in his head because it's, it's like, like dude we need you to do this. It's like dude I I mean this. Even if you're not making the shots, like this is what you're providing on the floor. Yes. Um. So we so we need that from you. Uh, you you mentioned it earlier, but I think it's also worth taking a look at Mook, another guy who, you know, we we factor to being a big part of this offense. Um, through and who had showed a stretch of play that was phenomenal. Yeah. For like about two weeks. Yes. It was great. It was what we needed. On the season, he's averaging 16-5-2, shooting 42% from the floor, 36% from three, which is, you know, lower than I guess I would have thought coming into the sure. season. Sure, yeah. I, you know, not, like, terribly lower. I mean, I think on but his— just one of those where you're like, oh, okay. I think on his accre- increased attempts, I, I was figuring on maybe, like, 38. You yeah. Know? So okay. it's not, like, that far A couple percentage off. points up, yeah. Uh, offensive rating, 106. Defensive rating, 112. So slightly worse defensive rating— I mean, markedly improved offensive rating over Reggie. Yeah. Mook, where do you stand? Where does he stand? I mean, he's does right he there. Does he just need to get back in a rhythm? Like, what's what's going on? Mook is starting to kind of enter Pat Bev territory where it's like we just need him to get back into rhythm kind of all the time is what it feels like sometimes. Yeah. He had that stretch of play, which was – it was really good. Right when he first came back. Right when he first came back, it was phenomenal. Um, obviously, having more spacing out there helps him with PG and stuff like that. But, like – no, man, it's it's just hard because, again, it's not a guy who's – like, I think Joseph Ryan Ward tweeted this out. Like, the Knicks were, like, 14 and 29 or something when they traded Marcus Morris. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like, that's what a team looks like when he's an number one scoring option. Yeah. Not disrespectful to Mook. He's an elite number three. 
Mm-hmm. His contract makes total sense, and, and the he, concept and, of the, and the you know the concept of this team with everyone healthy it makes total sense. And he can and does play both sides of the ball. Like yes. he, he's a very valuable wing player. But when uh, he's just when it's just him now, who's that's, like uh, there's a clear ceiling to what you're offering. When you is. have to start him and Batum, yeah, that's when things get bad. Um, because the second he doesn't really know how to work with Paul, Marcus Morris. Because it's just, he just doesn't it just doesn't work like in this current iteration like it's been rough man and these last I mean these last couple games have been you know ever since that uh, what was that the the first game against Memphis where he just went off yeah and had a season high since then it's been tough like I just wish these guys could get some rest because Mook Mook is starting to get in that territory where it's like oh once he gets ramped back up once we get to like once we get all this other stuff in place he'll be great. And that's what this Clippers franchise has tried to avoid. Yeah. Like, they want guys who are just going to be ready. So, like, I think Mook, you know, there was that article, there was that Fish Jake Fisher article talking about how Mook could be traded. And I think that kind of gets truer every day that he just looks a little more off. Because this this franchise, the front office doesn't want guys who, like, kind of need to ramp up. Like, they want guys who are going to be ready to go. That's true. And, I mean, like, and this you, isn't a – like we said, like, it's not a knock on him. It's just, like, it's he's just getting up there. When you have two superstars um, – you need guys who are ready to go around them yes. more more times than not. 100%. Um, and it, that is something that I think that gets difficult as you get up there in age. Uh, so another name I want to bring up, because uh, he gets you know brought up in these conversations a lot, has got to be Eric Bledsoe. Uh, he's yeah. played, I believe he's played the most games out of any of these dudes that we've mentioned so far. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's 100% like, has. <laughs> I think he's around like 44 games. He's missed like one, no games maybe. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's missed at least one. Uh, sure. Um, but he's averaging 11, 4, and 4, which, look, I mean, that number might not jump out at you. I think that I said if he averaged 12, 4, and 6 – yeah, the Clippers. you're happy with it. We were getting essentially everything you would want to get out of Eric Bledsoe. Like, yeah. you know, you would want to get in an ideal so, – Yeah, like in an ideal You don't scenario. have to take too much more. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, and he is currently averaging 42% from the floor, 31% from three, which is low, though uh, – we've also talked about this on the show too. Sometimes for me with Bledsoe – it's more about the threes that he doesn't take. Yes. You know, and, he, and he has kept that three-point attempt number down to around three per game. Yeah. Which I think just emphasizes, from a field goal like distribution perspective, what he's best at. He knows what the hell's up. At he knows what's up. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, and looking at his sort of numbers per 100 possessions, he is has an offensive rating of 98, uh, which is higher than Reggie's. Defensive rating, 106 which is better than Reggie's. Sure. Um, so, I don't know. What What do you think about Bledsoe? Is he – you can't say that he's not a factor in this offense, not maybe being a little bit more high potent. A little more pop. Yeah. To me, he's maybe not the issue. But I might be – like, I and I fully accept you love that, Bledsoe. I, that I could be being a little bit too lenient on Bledsoe given, like, my expectations of him and what I think he can realistically provide. Yeah, I think with Bledsoe it's tough because he ne- you need him on the court to kind of facilitate the offense. Yeah, but he's oh, yeah. just he's not a scorer. That's not his job. Yeah, we would Clippers fans would be a lot more upset if he was taking a bunch more shots and not hitting them. I agree. So it's like he just needs those complimentary pieces. He needs a good he needs a good roller. He I mean he when, needs space around when him everyone like is it. healthy. It's like I I hope he's in the starting lineup because he'd be great with Zoo. Like it just it makes sense, but. 
he he's not called out upon to do too much offensively, which he shouldn't be. So, you know, he he makes things happen, which is great. He's been way better than Reggie lately. Um, I just hope he stays on the team. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, just kind of closing out like this offensive. Yeah, talk, I just want to pose like a hypothetical. I mean, like, uh, look. We knew sort of coming into this season, we we didn't expect Amir's contributions to be like as heavily needed and heavily <laughs> leaned yeah. upon as they were. But man, can you imagine how much more dire of a spot this team would be in offensively if Amir hadn't taken the offensive leap that he has taken this year? Well, it'd be a nightmare. Like things would be a lot more bleak if Amir hadn't done this. Um why did you do this? Come on, Amir. And that, well, it's just funny because like this bridges into the the Luke Kennard progress report a bit. Luke Kennard has not played since. I mean, he he entered Hasp on January first. Um. So for reference, Nick Batum was out November twenty first to uh, December eighth. So if Kennard comes back for the Clippers road trip, you know, uh, after this Pacers game, that would put him at the same amount of time that Batum has missed from his health and safety but there's been a troubling development correct Dude, okay law murray said that he asked about canard on sunday and said let's just say no one wanted to elaborate on it which like what the hell are we doing here yeah like it's a very clear issue yeah there, it's not like it's not like he's asking oh this guy's hurt what's he hurt with how severe it is we have very clear guidelines as to what the issue is oh yeah so what and, is and like issue? established like league established timelines on what's supposed to happen so like what the hell is the issue here is he just hella sick like he's, that's he's brutal got, he's, he's got to be displaying some symptoms yeah that's awful if he's hella sick but we need him back um can't get him back soon enough these scoring droughts are a nightmare his spacing makes everything better like the loss of luke canard is big it's like when we talk about zoo being gone yeah how you're like i know luke canard gets more love than zoo but it's like when those two dudes are gone, you really see the effect of you, Yeah, you know how crucial these pieces are, especially in a yeah. team that's already de- depleted of its toppest tier talent. Yes. Like losing players like this, even losing players like Hardenstein, who you know has been a they functional piece of, of making like, this offense, yeah, like a cohesive kind of moving unit. Um, you just feel it so much more. You absolutely do. Um, let's get to Terrence Van Vorp watch. This offensive discussion we can just literally have every day, it feels like. It's got so a, frustrating. Got a pair of binoculars right next to me. Let's check out some Vorp. A couple of binos. Some uh, binos. Excuse me, one bino. Some knocks. Uh, some knocks. Uh, we're doing Terrence Man Vorp Watch every Monday. We're closing out today's episode with it. Uh, we're looking at value over replacement player. Bit of a wonky stat. It accumulates. Only at- stat, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that and per 36, of course, for your Hartenstein fan. Uh, Vorp Watch. Vorp is, you know, cumulative over the whole season. You want the number to be higher than lower, obviously. Theoretically, this number puts you, you know, where you compare to a replacement player, basically like a, a really good G League guy or something like that. Terrence Mann, his last week, his Vorp was 0.3. This week, 0.2. Ooh, it's gone down. Taking a knock on the Vorp. A, which is a little brutal. Uh, Terrence Mann did score his 1,000th point recently. Man, that's pretty incredible. Way to go, Terrence Consid- Mann, dude. Considering, like, that's tight. And where this kid started with this franchise and his first season. Yeah, when they're like, he should play point guard. Yeah. He did just, it for a week and a half back when he was 16 or whatever. Just, um, yeah, getting his thousandth point. And, I mean, like, for all intents and purposes, this is his, like, second NBA season. Yeah, sure. He um, could have gone the fee route. Yeah. 
if things would have gone horribly, but thankfully he didn't. Um, Terrence Mann, uh, you know, so three games since the last Terrence Mann VORP watch. He shot 44% over those games. He was plus nine in the comeback versus Denver, mm-hmm. which is much needed. He was minus 13 versus the Pelicans. Well, I mean. I mean, sure, everyone sucked. Yeah. And then he was a, a zero versus the Spurs. All right. On Saturday. My biggest thing right now with Terrence is what can Terrence add to take away the so look when Terrence's offensive game is working well he's getting to the he's literally getting to the rim and he's able to have a contested layup which he's usually very good at finishing or he kind of finds somebody and the kick out is great and you know maybe there's one extra pass and we get a three but it's it's a, you know he's the catalyst of it when it's not going well we see him dribble into like three defenders maybe do that spin move maybe do the the dream shake that doesn't get a bite and then he just puts up like a contorted not good kind of mid-range fadeaway. What do we think can be added to help take this, <laughs> have this not be the immediate plan B? Because when it's not working, it's bad, and it yeah. kills the offense. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it's two things, and one is defensive consistency for me. Um, okay, and, other and, side of the ball. And then the other one, like, on, on the offensive side would be, I, I do feel like he has lost some confidence in that three-point shot. And I see I – th- I feel like so many times he's hesitant to take the shot when he has space. Uh, and he, he has gotten much more comfortable just kind of like dribbling in, which, look, I mean, paint touches for this team are generally a productive thing. But I think sometimes with Terrence, it, it doesn't lead to the most productive when offensive it ends in that possession. Yeah, yeah, whether it ends up with him putting up a bad shot or like moving the ball in like a lateral way that doesn't really advance a possession. Yeah. And I think that, well, it's just difficult right now, right? Because we're so strapped roster-wise that it's not like if Terrence takes two bad fadeaways, you can just pull him. because Right, he has to play. Because he has to play. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that is a conversation that's worth having with the coaching staff and him. Like, hey, man, like, you know, <laughs> we, we need you to um, – to add some of the, you know, the basketball intelligence that we know that you have into your shot profile because yeah. these are not high-quality shots. And, like, I mean, you and I aren't even, like, chest-beating analytics, no elbow jumpers, guys. But, like, <laughs> there's shots that Terrence are taking that are, like, they're just objectively bad shots. When your body has to twist 270 degrees to get the shot off, it's not a good shot. It's not a good shot. So I'm really excited for what happens in the offseason. We know he's going to put the work in, which I love. And he also needs to find ways to space the floor because when this team is healthy, like that's more of the role that he's looking at. And like hopefully we can get him back onto like those sort of baseline cuts and nice sort of off-ball movement things that do work well with Terrence. But I tell you one thing. He's going to be getting yanked if he's putting up, like, you know, turnaround contested two-pointers, like, when this team is fully healthy. So I I think it's it's, it's part of a thing that's difficult to do once again when you, you know, when you can't afford to bench somebody. But, like, he just needs to get back into those good habits. 100%. We're all about good habits. We are. Here at Locked on Clips. Let's hope the Clips start some good habits against this freaking Pacers team. Let's do it. Huh? Uh, Tuesday's episode, we're going to have a recap of Clippers versus Pacers. Twitter Tuesday, so send your questions in over to at Clips over on Twitter. We will answer them on the show and give you a shout-out. Of course, whatever else happens between now and then in Clipperland will. If someone were to ask you, where the hell can I listen to a daily Clippers podcast? 
Where would you tell them they could listen to us? So you can check us out on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app on your mobile device. You can also check us out on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Deezer. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Oxnard Pods. Which yep. If you find yourself up north, bro, shout out Oxnard. I We're love there. Oxnard. Uh, Some we, of the cheapest beachfront property in the United States. That's what they say. That's what they say. Uh, so, anyways, it, it, we mentioned up top, but we do come at you Monday through Friday, seven a.m. Pacific. Hey, I think the Clippers are going to be able to turn this thing around. Stay rocking with us. Let's get through this. We will get through this. We can all do this together. I have been positive, Chuck Mockler, and I am William, the opinion updike. And as always, we appreciate you.